eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Are we starting? I want to be mayor of Fucktown. Oh, you cannot be. I want to become Twoa of Fucktown. Hey, Marcus. Yeah, Do you like right. the fact that we're in your hotel room and where my butt is Ooh. is where your face soon will be? <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Last Podcast on the Left. I am Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. Hello. And sitting on Marcus's Parks' bed, where Marcus will have to sleep, is literally the butthole my of name, one and only Henry Zabrowski. My name is Perry Mowen, and I am the comp twoa up. Bucktown. Very good. Thank you. All right. We are recording our first last podcast on the left live proper show from the road. We want to thank everyone we've seen so far. Nashville was incredible. It was. I loved it. I had a bologna sandwich at Roberts, which I talked about on Side Stories, and I'm not going I'm, I'm not going to do it again. You have been speaking about the fucking sandwich for 72 hours. I understand. <laughs> Time continues to go into the future, but the sandwich remains in my mind. It's. We've had at least a dozen other memories. Well, we also... <laughs> I also have a stomach full of cheese curds because coming back from our Cincinnati, which we, we were at Cincinnati yesterday, and people were wonderful. Thanks thanks for everyone who came out. Now my stomach is full of cheese curds. Yeah, from Grandpa's Cheese Shack. Mm. <laughs> and Marcus got the fudge. Yeah, he, he went down to the fudge. The fudge shack. Marcus, we lost Marcus at Grandpa's Cheese Shack for like 20 minutes, and we're like, he's in Grandpa's Cheese Basement. <laughs> Getting Grandpa's Cheese Fudged. Yeah, well, not many people come. Coming to my cheese basement to see I have a special new kind of cheese I made called Grandpa Cheese. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of disgusting, today's episode, I, are we going to do, is this a gold star episode? I would say this is probably a gold star episode, uh, yeah. Okay, I, I would agree with that. So we are on to part two of The Shoemaker, Joseph Callinger. So thankfully, about a week after Joseph restrained his children, beat one of them with a hammer handle, and burned the other with a spatula, Mary Jo, Joey, and Michael went to the cops and reported Joseph Callinger for abuse, and Joseph Callinger was arrested. I did no such thing. I am just a chef. I was making breakfast for my children, and they happened to get in the way. I thought you were a shoemaker, sir. Yeah, that's my hobby. (laughs) Interesting. Well, after this, his children became a part of his delusions. They became what Joe called the three 
total gods, beings completely in charge of his life, which filled Joseph with contempt for some of his children and reverence for others. I am sick of being scared of these children. Uh, I agree. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, though, a lot of fathers feel overwhelmed by the responsibilities of fatherhood, mm-hmm. and then you just omelet that with a mental health condition, and I guess that's what we have here. Well, he did view his re-education of these kids as a solemn job. And he said mm. it too. He's like, I don't want to be doing this. I, this is not, this is not what, how I wanted to do this. I wanted to do it the nice way. But, oh, once the experiments failed. <laughs> like, that's exactly. a pro- and once that's your logic... You know, beating the kids isn't part of it. That was a solemn job of his. And the weird fear Mm. and reverence of the kids is very, very interesting because it would cause, uh, you know, a lot of problems in the future. Sort of of reminds me of that scene from Mommy Dearest with the uh, with the uh, with the wire hangers and all that stuff where she's like, she felt like she was doing this young girl a favor. Yeah. She was like, I can't believe you're making me do this again. I want to be sleeping. Now, concerning the sentencing for his crimes, Joseph received a suspended sentence in regard to beating Joey and was put on four years psychiatric probation for the burning of Mary Jo and was required to regularly report to a psychiatrist. But after just a five minute conversation, the psychiatrist decided that there wasn't a damn thing wrong with Joseph. And that was the end of the psychiatric counseling. Mr. Callender, um, here is your psychological exam. What is this? Oh, that, oh, that's a hat. <laughs> Well, it is shoes, but um, <laughs> it's very strange you didn't recognize that. You're like, yeah, I'm just saying, uh, but it's like uh, shoes are like a uh, hat for Vita. You're doing great. Doing just fine. I'm actually going to ask you to just leave my office. Well, he passed the test. That's what happens when you schedule your psychiatrist appointment for 11.55. Everyone knows lunch is noon. You got five minutes. That's all he had to work with. But since Joseph had spent some time in jail, his business suffered. See, nobody really wanted to go to Callenger Rapid Shoe Repair Pickup and Delivery Service ever since the owner was convicted of beating and burning his kids. I, I, they got to say I have discipline. <laughs> I mean, the shoes are probably... Probably the same. <laughs> oh, yeah. The shoes are very much the same, but nobody wanted to go. He even uh, started handing out business cards at the courthouse to the judge, to the uh, bailiff, trying to get business. Let me take a look at these new balances. Okay. Okay. Well, right, one thing I will say about these new balances, they're not making you Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> not like his shoes, right? And as a result, because there were no, there was no business coming in, the family suffered once more because no mm. money was coming in. So in order to get the business back up and running, Joseph convinced his children to completely recant their testimony. And in February of 1974, they did, completely letting their father off the hook. And the good people of Philadelphia came back to Joseph. The way they describe this scene in the book right. is that Callenger is like, oh, I got to get my business back in order. They're going to see the fact that I didn't kill my children. That means I didn't finish the job. <laughs> right. And so he brought all the kids down in the basement and he's like, here's the thing. We're going to tell the police that you kids lied. And we're going to say you're very sorry, but everything you said was a complete falsehood. And, uh, and your father is not only uh, the the right arm of Christ himself, <laughs> but he's also an excellent father and a wonderful shoemaker. And all yeah. of the kids, their response were, hell yeah, it's fun to lie to the cops. <laughs> Straight up, all of them were like, well, we get to spend all rascals. day like lying at these cops. <laughs> well, it is straight. Has there ever been a shoe company or a shoemaker that has not abused children? I'm staring at my uh, at my Nikes right now and just being like, they kill 30 kids a day and people are still making them the number one bestseller. But something changed in Joseph Callinger when he burned his daughter and beat his son. The commandment from God to be the savior of mankind through orthopedic 
orthopedics had died. Instead, God was now commanding Joseph to destroy the world he'd failed to save. I'm just saying, why didn't God just encourage him to make sandals or just like get on the croc game? <laughs> because he didn't care about leisure shoe wear. Oh, this is, these are workman shoes. Okay. These are businessman shoes. Joseph's job now was to personally murder every single person on the planet by destroying their sexual organs. Three billion people in 1974. And at the end of it all, Joseph was going to murder himself. And at the moment of his own murder, Joseph would become God. And that's it. Set it and forget it. <laughs> I guess so. So this is a pretty grand plan here. Three. Huge plan. Yeah, he was planning to kill every single person on Earth one by one by ripping up the uh, dick and balls. Maybe here. he should have had six minutes with the therapist. <laughs> Just get that last minute in there so he can utter that sentence. He believed that you destroyed the penis, it like deflates the person. Like that if you snip the penis off, that they literally would just disappear. And it, he, I mean, you know, well, he's not doing well. No. He doesn't, he's obviously not thinking straight. No. But he, his response to God, when God said, you have to kill, you have to kill every single person <laughs> that exists. Callender was like, oh. That's going to take a lot of time. Right. And that's going to take a lot of wrist energy. Well, as we learned from the Lorena documentary, if you cut someone's penis off, they just get more famous. They actually don't die. But in order to become God, Joseph had to enlist the help of a god. So he brought one of the three total gods into the fold, his 12-year-old son, Michael, and began a crime spree. Now, committing crimes with his teenage children was not new to Joseph. He'd already been out with Joey spray-painting the front gates of Joey's high school, and he even sometimes sent Joey out to commit crimes on his behalf. This is one of those moments in the show where I have to say if he wasn't crazy, and that would be really fun. It oh, is I wish Curly Sue. Would... This is Curly Sue. <laughs> oh, no. It is him waking up his son tonight being like, Come on, kids, it's time to go tagging. And then they went and did, like, hung out on the subway station, like, Latin Kings, Latin Kings everywhere, represent 718, 718 till I die. It's crazy. Oh, so you guys are fine with the crime spree, but Digging Daddy, for some reason, that's weird? No, because Digging Daddy wasn't just digging. He was crapping and coming in the dig. It was crapping and coming, Daddy, after the kids went to sleepy time. This was uh, this part is fun because vandalism is fun. Yes. The, the actual th- hard physical labor just right. seems to be... It's not that I don't think it's... Uh, it's, it's not a, fun. It, uh, yeah, but it's because it's, it's hard. Uh-huh. That's why it's... It's imagining the actual physicality of making them dig until their arms can't move anymore. Right, yeah. Well, Joseph called sending his kids out on crimes. He called that delegating. Joey was the Kensington delegate. He was the local boy. I learned a little bit about Kensington since this, because Natalie lived in Philly for a section of time, and apparently Kensington's... It's a little rough. Yeah. It's, it's not doing well, huh? Sounds like a terrible, terrible place. Well, yeah. I'll tell you one thing, guys. I don't know why you're angering the people who seem to be the most dangerous in Philadelphia. <laughs> I've actually heard Kensington is a great place full of wonderful, peaceful people, and we hope to see you soon on the road. So Joey Hughes, the Kensington delegate. Michael, he was Callinger's suburb delegate. Together, Joseph and Michael would take buses out to suburban towns around Pennsylvania and New Jersey and rob houses in the middle of the day. Hmm. 
And Betty, Joseph's wife, she was in on it too. Sometimes she'd wake up early and make breakfast for Joseph and Michael, knowing exactly what it was that they were going out to do that day. Here you go. Here's some eggs. So what are you guys getting into today? <laughs> well, uh, hopefully what I hope to do is cut off at least 25 penises. <laughs> I just want to rummage through people's underwear drawers and I want to steal jewelry. <laughs> you kids. <laughs> You're still a kid at heart, Joe. Uh, she's like the mom of the, what is it, the Bugle Boys? The, the cartoon dogs? The ones from DuckTales. DuckTales. The Duck, yes. Of but course. Psychological disorders, like, they're not transitive, obviously, no. right? But it is really strange how if you pull a bunch of people into a room under what is now sort of the collective reality of Joseph Callinger, yeah. about how they all of a sudden they just drip, they just play along. Well, it's right. a Stockholm Syndrome type of thing, mm. where you, all these people are under the control of this one man, so the types of, so what he says goes, so they just kind of follow Joseph's lead. It's weird. Is it just because, is this straight up, is this the patriarchy? Like, honestly, is that what, is this boiled into that where you, the idea is to just kind of whatever dad wants is, is good for a family happy dad happy sads I don't remember this episode of leave it to beaver that's all I'll say on that <laughs> it might be a part of that but I, I think it is also a, a part of just him taking control of the entire household and remember like they are living in a literal fortress like mm, that he yeah. has built like they are living in a house where he has covered all most of the windows with metal plates and then covered those with cement so they are and you know and they also said that some of them enjoyed it like they enjoyed the lifestyle but that's when they weren't getting uh the holy live in hell beat out of them yeah right. no, 12 year olds again you get to go spray paint in your school who doesn't want to do that with your dad and also marcus mentioned the word stockholm we're gonna be in stockholm yeah and i really think good. it's time to plug that we <laughs> cannot wait to see you all out there yeah that's our stockholm syndrome tour that we'll be doing throughout <laughs> stockholm taking people hostage until they learn to love us but the thing is about uh the kids and the wife and all of them Nobody except Joseph knew that all of this was being done under the commandment of God. Joseph wasn't telling them that. He was keeping all the God stuff to himself. It's like the secret master's shit. Mm -hmm. But does that mean that he knew it was crazy? It, and see, I, he didn't really go into why he didn't tell anybody about it. The way it seems to me, in my mind, I'm not really sure, but it's like Joseph Callinger's on a Joseph Callinger is on one channel. Yeah. And when he switches over to the family channel, it's like, you know, when you watch, it's it's like, when he switches over to his family channel, right. that's ABC. But on the Joe Callinger channel, it's like the old school scrambled Spice TV, where it's like mm -hmm. he's kind of, but he's kind of seeing television, and he kind of hears his family in the other room. I think it's also very personal for him. Yeah. And he believes, mm. and, and expressively believes, being like, if I want to tell people about my personal relationship with God, <laughs> then I would be, def I would sort of be like, uh, you know, I would be tattling on God. <laughs> <laughs> so his version of God is blurry Shannon Tweed porn. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And it wasn't long before God upped the ante from breaking and entering to murder. According to Joseph, God said, quote, The destruction of the hamsters was the beginning. You continued by burning Mary Jo's thigh, only you were supposed to shove the hot spatula up into her vagina and guts. But you chickened out and burned only the soft flesh near her vagina. Now the time has come for you, with Michael's help, to kill three billion people. I heard a lot of talk like that from the Lord in the summer of 74. <laughs> Jeez. Well, I have read some of the Bible, and it doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility that God would say something like that. <laughs> I heard a lot of talk from the Lord like that in the summer of 74. 74 and I'll tell you what, you know, oh, never, the road, the road, the road. 
<laughs> Michael was not yet 13 years old at the time, but by Joseph's estimation, his son was perfect for the job. He was enthusiastic, ruthless, and according to Joseph, had a much bigger penis. <laughs> So Mike had power that Joseph didn't. Can That's you, what Joseph believed. Yeah. Can you not do the much bigger no, penis with your no, arms? Like, like I'm you at Subway ma- sandwiches being like, what, six inch or the foot one? Like, much bigger as possible. Listen, come here. Michael, Michael, wake up. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Listen, we're going to do a little bit of a size test, but I don't want to show you my penis because that will be disgusting, and I don't want you to see how small it is. <laughs> so here you go. Just hold this Tootsie Roll up to next to your penis. You go in the bathroom and you do it, and you tell me just how much bigger it is than the Tootsie Roll. <laughs> All right, it's going to be bigger. My goodness. This is a young child. We're oh, that about. is much bigger. Okay, thank you, Mr. Callinger. Enough. So... On June 26, 1974, Joseph told Mike straight up that he had a strong desire to kill people and that Michael was the one to do it with him. Mm. In response, according to Joseph, Mike just said, quote, Glad to do it, Dad. Oh, God, that's scary. He is uh, just... Much... Now, I know this kid isn't Damien, r- r- uh, Damien from The Omen, but like he sounds really on board for this. Well... I wonder, right, because Michael in this whole situation has been kind of the sleeper kid. Yeah. Because Joey's really been the one who's been mixing shit up. He's been doing a lot of the vandalism, arson, uh, sucking dudes off underneath the bridge, Mm. stealing shit, assaulting people. He was the real career criminal of the family. Michael kind of hanging in the background. I almost wonder if it's kind of a perverted, like... Dad showing me attention. This is my way to bond with my dad. Yeah. But the way he jumped into cutting people's penises off was like the way I jumped into podcasting. Okay. <laughs> now, we don't know if Mike really was as enthusiastic about crime and murder as Joseph says he was because Mike never publicly spoke about his crimes. But no matter what, Mike was still right at Joseph's side during all of the murders, helping. So about a week and a half after Joseph suggested murder, Joseph took his son aside and told him that today was the day. The two of them hit the streets, and at about 6.30 p.m., they found a 10-year-old boy named Jose Calazo hanging around outside the Man Recreation Center. Joseph and Mike told Jose that they needed help moving some boxes of ribbon, and if he'd like to help, they'd pay him for his time. Because this is back when kids could work. Yeah. They could work, but also, you don't need help moving boxes of ribbon. Ribbon is extremely light. But if you have mm. a lot of ribbon, though. Are they in the... Ri- did j- you haven't <laughs> seen this ribbon. I don't know. Just and I've got some... My own personal ribbon? ribbon is very small. Very small. But my son's ribbon. Oh, it's much, much bigger. Are we talking about boxes of ribbon still? Nah, I'm talking about cocks. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay. Well, in reality, they were planning to take Jose to the nearby abandoned rug factory Mm. and murder him. And that's exactly what they did. Once they got him there, they stripped the boy nude, bound his hands and ankles with cord, and then, using a shoemaker's tool, they cut the boy's penis off and let him bleed to death. You know, it's interesting that they use the shoemaker tool. Do you think that he knew about branding? <laughs> was he just like, this is going to be so on brand the way that we're going to do this? I'll finally be one of Batman's rogue gallery. <laughs> it's just, it really is like a super villain move yeah. to use the shoemaker tool. I think it's just what he had in just the house. Just what he had. Oh, yeah, God, I, it's freaking disgusting. The, uh, well, God told him his 
God told him he had powerful tools. Yeah. And oh, he's yeah, shown the right. light. Because there's that one segment when they said in the book where the light would come through the window onto his, the lip. Because it's the lip-shaped knife mm-hmm. that he first had. And he first learned how to snip the thing because oh. he brought his shoe snippers with him. And he believed that as a shoemaker, truly, his job was to be the ultimate fucking revengeful shoemaker Jeez. for God's hands. But he also said he did not know how the kid died because they were beating him. Like, Michael was beating him and choking him. And so he goes to hop, hop, and he gives it, the, gives him the chomp. Oh. And then they were like, the yada, yada, yada. And this is like, I'm not, oh, then the kid was dead. Because he assumed well, that when I he would... One, I have a clue as to why the child died. And I, I don't know he probably if he, bled to death. I actually don't know if he bled to death. I think they then manually strangled him. Oh, yeah. Not to be <laughs> like sounding like a baseball announcer about it, but I think they did manually <laughs> yeah, strangle it him. It is absolutely disgusting. All right, so this is by far the most brutal thing that's happened. Yeah, by far, yeah. Okay. Well, about this murder, Joseph told Flora Schreiber, quote, Mike and I did what we did and what we had planned to do. We had passed the test. The rest would be easy. God's will be done. Amen, Flora. Um, first of all, the rest wouldn't be easy. He would still have three billion people to <laughs> do I'll that tell you to. what. I have seen all several magnets. A journey of a million miles begins with one tiny boy's penis being chopped off. I don't think that's the right motto. I've been at different stores than you. (laughs) Yes, I think you must have been going to a different Barnes & Noble than me. And he went even further in his description, lamenting the lack of light at the murder scene. This is a further quote. I was a little disappointed because it had been too dark in the factory to see blood. I wanted to see blood. My thoughts were drenched in blood, blood gushing out of human bodies, blood flooding the cities, staining rivers and oceans, blood boiling in a huge pot with morsels of sexual organs in it that quiver while bubbles pop and splash. Oh, I love a soup. <laughs> All right, so I just have to ask that. I know it's obvious that you wanted to see blood. Oh, I, honestly, so, uh, even just a nice borscht. Did you think about just turning the light on? Oh my God! Yeah, that would <laughs> it's have, like that shutting would have... the computer off when you have computer problems. Exactly. <laughs> it was an abandoned rug factory. The power had been cut. No. Okay. So that's his biggest complaint: is he didn't see enough blood. That he didn't see enough blood. That it was <sighs> too dark in there. All right. So after murdering this child, Joseph put the severed penis in his pocket Ugh. and took it home. There, he sealed it in plaster of Paris. But once it started to smell, Joseph took his trophy and threw it in the sewer. And not surprisingly, Joseph and Mike were never suspected of the crime in any way whatsoever. Nobody saw him with the kid. Now, Joseph said he just acted the part of the outraged citizen. What happened to his penis? <laughs> oh, I want to talk to the editor. Well, we, we didn't even mention that he lost his penis. Oh, or, so interesting. That's, yeah, it seems like a strange piece of information that you would have. Um, perhaps you are... It just but, seems like a natural thing that would happen to a dead young boy. Okay. <laughs> And after a while, the story just faded away as another unsolved case. People of Philadelphia just forgot about it. So at no point were they like this creepy ass shoemaker who's already killed or who who already has hurt his children. No, no he, way no. he would have done that. He was nowhere near. This is because he had just been exonerated. Well, he's in a public. He's having a war yeah. with the Philadelphia Justice Department right now, where right. they're going back and forth trying to repeal these charges that he was convicted of uh, for child abuse. But he was nowhere near 
anything like this. They just thought okay. he because remember he also he had not unlike the child's little penis, it, he had all of the legislature of Philadelphia in his pocket because he fixed all their shoes. So all of the lawyers knew him, the judge knew him, and so for a while they just thought again there was a lot of uh, kind of like vague spare the rod, spoil the child shit. The I, power of orthopedics. I, I think. He had them in his pocket as going a little too far. Yeah, like well, the little boy's penis. He, they were definitely he fixed, wearing he him on their feet. their shoes. <laughs> but if you're, no, if you're a lawmaker, you're like, man, this is... God, this is nice. I put this shoe on the other day, and I had three wishes granted to me by a severed head. I I love my tailor. I know, but he was still Crazy Joe. I don't Yeah, I don't know if I'd go to bat for my tailor no. if he was in a child abuse case. No. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins as soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? 
I didn't. Thanks, Babel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Live from your grave. On the day that Michael and Joseph killed the boy, Joseph said he turned to his son and told him that they were going to murder others. And according to Joseph, Michael turned to him and said, quote, Good. And supposedly, according to Joseph, soon after telling his son this, he completely and totally forgot that he murdered the little boy. Joseph forgot? Joseph forgot. Yeah. How the hell does he forget that? I left my computer charger in the hotel room last week. Entirely <laughs> different story. Well, he'd been told that he'd done it, but the details didn't come until he spoke with Flora Schreiber years later. But that's just what he says. Okay. So we don't know if that's 100% true or not. Again, but then a part of her weird pseudo breakdown of psychology in the book is that she kind of attributes it to actual amnesiac periods of, uh, like, I guess that schizophrenics have or people with severe dissociative disorders have. But I think that he's just saying it. I think he's just saying it. Yeah, Flora Schreiber. I mean, yeah. So like we said in the last episode, she's the uh, author of Sybil, uh, which was largely discredited. She made she makes a lot of jumps. Okay. Uh, and the Shoemaker, the story is fantastic. The story is great. But her uh, psychological analysis can be a little suspect at All times. Right. But also... This is just straight up serial killer compartmentalization as far as I'm concerned. Because, yeah. you know, like John Wayne Gacy said that his other, his dark half did it. Ted Bundy said the entity did it. <laughs> Jack Hanley. Yeah, Jack yeah. Hanley. Jack <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so about two weeks after the murder of Jose Colazzo, Joseph had a vision. In this vision. <laughs> I just like all of this shit. It's because it's very, um, uh, like, what's his name? Who, who, it's like Alejandro Jodorowsky. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, I mean, these visions are, I mean, they're beyond David Lynch. Yeah. I mean, mm. they are some of the most intense things I've ever read. Right, right. In this vision, Joseph said he saw a boy being thrown from a mountain. And in that moment, Joseph had an erection. Oh, I wish I didn't, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I did. I wish you didn't, too. Turkey is done. <laughs> well, he'd come to know erections as a signal that the message was coming from God. I am talking to God every second of every day. I guess so. <laughs> I mean, especially as a hotel room. For the first 15 minutes of the last 15 minutes I spent in a hotel room, I guess I'm talking directly to Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's got a whole website. <laughs> God told Joseph that he must throw the boy, whoever the boy was, from the edge of a cliff, and that Joseph would find the name of the cliff in a brochure on the small table beside his sofa bed. Mm. See, Joseph picked up a couple of travel brochures at a tourist information center a few days before because he wanted some ideas for a father-son outing with his three sons. Because that was the amazing thing about it is that he was still trying to be a dad during all of this, but never, he didn't know how, but he was also getting all these signals from God. Right. Uh, he was a very complicated individual. He's confused. He's very confused. It sounds, yeah, a bit like that. But the kids were barely going to school. 
And so they were they were in and out true. But he viewed them all again. They're all now serving a higher purpose. So he knows he doesn't give a shit. That sounds like kind of some of the towns we just drove through Ohio, where it's like <laughs> the families are all there, either working. And we went to this cheese shop. It was right. Grandpa's Cheese Barn, and um, the whole family is there working. And it's two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, it's a family affair. They should have been in school. But that's the greatest education, the cheese education. <laughs> yes, that's what you want to know. But it's strange because he did have this other thing, being like, "But I want to do something nice for them because I can't." always have them working because it's so hard to cut all these penises off i know look at my thin thin wrists it's yeah it's so so he wants to be a normal daddy and just it's not happening yeah it's not happening at all and he also would send the kids out to try to sell like shoe cleaning products uh but then when they wouldn't sell enough he'd beat the shit out of them okay it's like the show my two dads if it was just one dad one dad (laughs) yeah the whole time as joseph was flipping through these brochures he found what he was looking for he would fulfill God's command at the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon. <laughs> oh, hold on a second. It's just filled what with beer cans. <laughs> yeah. What is the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon? It's a big canyon in Pennsylvania. But you, but it's not the Grand Canyon. No, no it's, it's the, the Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Grand Canyon. Grand canyon. <laughs> but why even go with the Grand Just rename it. Because, uh, if because have- it's like the Grand Canyon... But But it's in in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. (laughs) But the Grand Canyon is the Grand Canyon. So no matter what, you're like, huh, that's the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon. But you think about the real Grand Canyon, you're immediately going to be disappointed. They weren't ready to call it the Delco County Big Gaper. (laughs) (laughs) That would work. Yeah, it will for several things. Once Joseph found the place, God told him the target. He was going to have to kill Joey, his own son. Oh, Oh I read about this somewhere. This is a, wasn't this a story of Moses or something in the Bible? Uh, wasn't Abraham. He, Abraham, yeah, yeah. okay. Now God went on to explain that had Joseph not spent so much time on discipline with his son, then he may have succeeded in his orthopedic experiments. This thing keeps twisting and twisting at every single move he makes in order to make it like it's his fault. Too. Mm-hmm. Right, he does take responsibility for being a horrible dad, kind of, I kind guess. Of, kind sorta. of, Plus, if Joseph had the will to kill his own son, then he would have the will to kill anyone and everyone on Earth. That makes total sense. Of course. And besides, Joseph was able to make a little money off the deal, too, which this part tells you that it might not be 100% psychological. Hmm. Soon after he decided to kill, Joseph took out two insurance policies on his own son that totaled $45,000 in profit for the surviving Callengers. I'm going to need about forty-five grand of insurance on my son. I'll tell you what, he's got small feet and he's very easy to knock over. <laughs> he's very sick all the time and he yearns for a bullet in his mouth. Well, that is just so great. This is our, this is Flo from Progressive. <laughs> oh! With you. Do you mind and, if I cut off your vagina? It's for Jesus Christ. That's you got to ask her that. <laughs> okay. Now, according to Joseph, Michael had already suggested that they kill Joey as their next victim, as Michael and Joey apparently fucking hated each other. It works out. <laughs> so when Joseph suggested they throw him off a cliff, Mike said, "Let's go. Let's go." Wait. So the <laughs> other son slash brother was totally into this idea. These kids. Are like remember the the uh, Burger King Kids Club? Mm, of course, it's that. But they're all Henry Lee Lucas. <laughs> they are ready to fucking kill each other. He definitely passed like father like son. Huh? I remember that episode of this. Yeah. Of that show. But have you ever seen Titus Andronicus, the Shakespeare play, or read it? Yeah. It's like the fi- <laughs> you fucking yeah. you, you liar. I actually, you, you I, actually don't. I read the but screenplay. 
and then I read the. And then I watched I'm gonna knock play. you out this hotel room. You can't. You no, can't. No, I, read. I, I have seen it. I have seen it. Yeah. When? Yeah. Nate, watched, when? Give me a location. It was in uh, in the in a, in a pick room. a location <laughs> in a bedroom. <laughs> you watched a Shakespeare play alone in your bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Was it the film Titus? Adronicus. <laughs> no, I uh, no, I I have read that. Yes. Yeah. Love it. It's a wonderful play. Wonderful play. No, it's like this the the panel of suns in that play where mm-hmm. it's like it is literally a there is a the villain has a series of sons that are all like villains that are like and they're just as liable to kill you as they are to kill each other mm-hmm. yeah i knew that i knew that i read that so. <laughs> so on a sunday joseph took all three boys to the bus station to catch a ride to the pennsylvania grand canyon but they all took too long in the bathroom and missed the bus. What? They, it's such a it's this part of the the weird logic things and in, in this whole episode that I don't understand. But literally, it's like okay, we got four minutes to go to the bathroom. Everybody take a shit. <laughs> and so they all would go. They were like, yeah, 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 just like because you could tell it's all of them just kicking garbage cans and like like knocking people's Horrible. coffees out of their hands. Oh, and Joey's stuff. chain smoking the entire time. He's got a fourteen year old chain smoker following him everywhere. And they just let the bus just roll past whatever it was that was anti-society they're like i don't know we just buy bought tickets we just bought bus tickets so right. that other people can have them but then we're just gonna say fuck you bus <laughs> make they, me want to ride you they sound like a john waters cast just horrible deviance so joseph went with the backup plan instead of going to the pennsylvania grand canyon they could go have a nice sunday exploring the beautiful mines of pennsylvania Ugh. Who doesn't want to? Who doesn't want to explore the mines of Pennsylvania with their schizophrenic father? Yeah, that is that's just a great Sunday. Well, Joseph figured that a pit was a pit, and Joey would die no matter what he threw him off of. But as he was making this decision, Joseph had a vision right there in the bus station. Ooh, tell me that he comes up with the idea of a McDonald's ball pit. <laughs> He saw himself lying naked on the floor, and Joey was throwing dry branches over Joseph's body. And Joey lit the fire, and Joseph burned. Ah, 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 Joey, no! It was supposed to be you, Joey! His skin melted from his face, and he screamed as Joey sat watching in a recliner, chain-smoking, and singing this song. We had joy, we had fun, we had seasons in the sun, but the hills that we climbed... It's honestly a really, really good song, though. <laughs> I like that song very much. So this is his father just screaming at a bus stop after missing the bus. This is what I'm now going to think that everyone I see screaming at a bus stop, we, we saw a lot of people in Cincinnati screaming at a bus stop, was just thinking about their son burning alive. That was Joey's favorite song, number one, which mm-hmm. is haunting, because he used to go, We had joy, we had fun, we had season in the on as they were like torturing people in the street but yeah it's calendar standing with his kids chain smoking next to him staring off into the middle distance going i gotta call my i gotta stop my own oh we missed the bus time to go to the mines oh my goodness i mean joseph calendar is the crisscross of serial killers he missed the bus and of what? course, crisscross. I missed the bus. Oh, never, I thought you were talking ever, about ever going to do it again. I thought you were talking about Christopher Cross from the song "Sailing." <laughs> no, I have no sailing, idea what that deep. Weird... Sailing's where I'm going, baby. Right? 
it's just so weird what your brain absorbs and just keeps in there. <laughs> I wish I did. I wish that I knew less. <laughs> I know. I wish you did too. So in other words, when these guys got to the mines, Joseph was pretty amped up. But as he was taking pictures of his two sons, the murderous urge left. As huh? Joseph put it again and again, the cup had run dry. His boner went down. So that this is true. entire time he also had a boner? But no, he would do the fuck. It was like a Looney Tunes cartoon where he would get the kids. He's like, okay, we got to find Because he would pull Michael aside and be like, all right, we got to find a place to kill Joey. And he's like, yes, daddy, whatever it takes, let's get rid of Joey. And they would, he would position them taking pictures right up by the, the cliff's edge. He's like, all right, get closer to the cliff edge. A little closer. He's like, is this close enough, daddy? Is this close enough? Yeah, a little bit closer. Okay, Michael, one, two. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Now you have to redo the whole thing. (laughs) Interesting. Okay, so this is good for the kids. It's good for one. Yeah. Good for Joey and Michael, to be fair. I I would say, to be fair, it's good. But Joseph was even going up to Michael and saying, like, hey, throw some rocks at your brother. (laughs) This is honestly, this is like like Cain and Abel shit going on right now. Yeah. So they went home. And Joseph figured out another plan. The next idea was to burn Joey alive inside a truck container that was being stored in a parking lot near the Callinger home. See, 14-year-old Joey, as I said, was a chain smoker. So Joseph and Mike figured they could trick Joey into taking a bunch of gas into a container to burn the container down just for fun. Is, is this the fucking Adams family? <laughs> yes. What is going on? The, actually, Why is he even thinking about this stuff? Actually, the Callinger family... It is what the Adams family would be like in real, like if they were real. It right. is a pack of homicidal maniacs, Jeez. and also not very bright. No, I Joey, would assume not. Joey was oh, not smart. So? Henry, did you think that was going to be breaking news? These kids who never <laughs> went to school, who chain smoke, who spend their nights digging holes and spray painting their high school uh, with their schizophrenic father, aren't necessarily on the bright side of life. But they also knew each other so well, mm-hmm. and they sat there. They're like, "All we gotta do." I was just like, what does Joey love? <laughs> he loves flicking cigarette butts, right? So we put him in there with a bunch of gasoline, and eventually, what he'll do, naturally, is he's going to throw the cigarette butts and set himself on fire. Mm-hmm. And Michael's like, yeah, he will. He definitely will. Mm-hmm. And <sighs> Joey goes ahead. <laughs> he does fucking exactly that. <laughs> wow. I do like yeah. that Joseph Callinger in my mind has become Bernie Sanders meets Tony Clifton. <laughs> That's yes, basically it, it what, what the That is the fucking accent. <laughs> Yeah, they figured they'd get him into the container, and then when he wasn't looking, they'd lock him in. And since they figured Joey wouldn't be careful, he just light up the smoke, his cigarette would ignite the flame, Joey would burn to death, knocking one more person off their hit list of three billion. And they did do their damnedest. On the night that they were going to do it, the horrifying laughter. Remember that Joseph had? Oh. Yes. Yeah. He was laughing at things that were not funny, like Richard Nixon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it hadn't come out in 20 years but that night it came back and as it came back joseph hallucinated a vision of his son burning alive and as he hallucinated this he just laughed and laughed without joy all while writhing around like a snake (laughs) (laughs) and suddenly joseph stopped laughing the visions ended and he went to gather his two sons. He gave Joey gasoline and matches and gave Mike all the instructions to lock his brother inside. But when the time came to trap Joey in the container, the lock was too high for Mike. Because Mike 
was not yet 13. He hadn't hit his growth spurt yet. Mike <gasps> was only 4 foot 11. Yeah. This kid needs a squatty potty. <laughs> he could not. Take it. He needs a stepladder. He could not ride the Kunta at Bush Gardens, <laughs> but he could attempt to murder his brother. Interesting. That is an interesting note for some reason, just giving some insight into how small and juvenile these children are. Yeah, he's 12 years old. Oh he's 4 God. foot 11. So... Mike improvised and wedged an empty milk crate between the trailer and the wall and went home. You know what that shows? Every single time you say the word can't, what you mean is the word won't. That's (laughs) honestly kind of. But what I just realized, though, why didn't he just use the milk crate to stand on? He's not... They're not problem solvers! (laughs) Honestly, he just did the thing where he's like, I'll just jam it in. That's yeah. a good question. This'll though. do it. This'll kill him. <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, when uh he got home, Mike and Joseph looked out the window and they saw black smoke billowing from the container. It had worked out perfectly. Joey had lit up the fucking cigarette and the whole thing had lit on fire. But much to their surprise, a few minutes after that, who should show up at the front door but Joey. But all covered in soot, like his <laughs> wily coyote. Yeah, what kind of cartoon cigarette is this? This is like insane. That was one of the better cigarettes I've ever had. My life. <laughs> well, Joey assumed that Michael had just run off because he got scared, and the milk crate hadn't lasted past a couple of good kicks to the door. Now they had failed twice, and still, Joey was none the wiser. He is not <laughs> smart. Okay, he's so not getting it. It, it, it is, point, is Mr. Magoo. <laughs> when are they just going to paint a big black circle and just be like, with any luck, he'll think it's a tunnel. And he'll just, like, this is the dumbest thing I have ever heard. And yeah. it's so, but it's also super, super sinister. It's you know? extremely sinister. It's, it's very sad. Like, I oh. mean, it is a father and son trying to murder a family member. In my Good way, Lord. I almost see this as... Joseph Callinger was both hyper aware of what his quote unquote task was supposed to be for God, but I think that there was an inner, the other of the my two dads, the other, the real Joseph Callinger, the one that was not completely taken over by his illness, that was very hesitant to murder his own son. Yeah. I would hope so. But the third attempt would result in Joey's death. Joseph got a message from God that the perfect place for the murder existed in a condemned block of shops on Market Street in Philadelphia. Joseph and Mike told Joey that they were going out there to take some spooky pictures. And they were even going to bring along some props. They were going to bring some locks and some chains. And Joey, who loved having his picture taken, couldn't wait. He was like, yeah, let's go. This sounds like a great afternoon. Yeah, he sounds like an alt model. (laughs) I mean, it really does sound like fun again if your father isn't a schizophrenic who wants to kill you. Yeah. Live from North Ray. Ah, Jules. Oh, Jules. Make a wife smile today. The road to getting engaged can be long and full of memories and pitfalls and landmines. Or it can be short and thrilling, like a roller coaster on the way to the police department. But the road to finding the perfect engagement ring is a straightforward path every time. All you've got to do is head over to BlueNile.com and they're going to ship them rocks straight to your wife's new fingers. On BlueNile.com, you can create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine. At a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler, Blue Nile is the original online jeweler since 1999. That's present time to me. Their diamond price guarantee means that in most cases, they can meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. I know when I got my wife a beautiful Blue Nile necklace, the first thing she did was, what did you do? 
But afterwards, she was so happy to have it, and she loved it, and she wore it when we went on vacation. And Maron, did everybody come around being like, where'd you get that piece, you beautiful woman? And I was like, stop talking to my wife. She's spoken for. You can see it with the Blue Nile. Bling, she's got on her. Right now, get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's $50 off with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly, you know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right, I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right, my job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. From your grave. So, on July 28th, 1974, the three of them set out for the abandoned shops and found a ladder leaning on a platform about five feet above a stagnant pool of water in the basement. 
Oh my god, if you tell me they throw a toaster oven in the water, I mean, and they try to electrocute him in the dumbest way possible. Well, the worst, one of the first details about this story that really creeps me out is that it's literally just a stagnant pool of construction site water, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Joey, they, they open the doors, they're, they're like, let's go down here, this one's gonna be real creepy, this one will get a real good shot. Yeah. And Joey opens the door, he's like, oh hell yeah, this is creepy as shit, oh look! It's a, a stagnant pool, my favorite. He goes down to the bottom of the stairs, takes off his shoes and socks, oh rolls up his fucking pants, and just being like, sticking his feet in the water like, oh, it's like a watering hole. See re- that, Daddy? It reminds me of whenever, every summer in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, of course, where we reside oh, yeah. and love, um, Every there, there's always the new people in Williamsburg. Yeah. And they're like, this is so romantic. I love to be in Brooklyn. And they take their shoes off at like midnight when you're drunk, when they're drunk. And I know for a fact they're stepping in human feces. Yeah. Yeah. And vomit in just trash. Oil is everywhere for some reason. <laughs> There's so much construction going on. There is nothing sweet about the filthy streets of these cities. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they found that spot, they told Joey, this is where we're taking the pictures. So Joey, super excited that he was going to get his picture taken, stood up against the ladder they found and let his father and brother chain him to the handles. Well, the goal, mm-hmm. right, was that they changed him front face forward onto the ladders. Mm-hmm. He didn't ask him exactly what the theme of the shoot was going to be. Right. I think that if it was like Project Runway, it would be crime and punishment. Mm. But he was up against the ladder and because the first thing was that they needed to get access to his penis because they were supposed to cut off his penis. So <sighs> he was supposed to be positioned between the rungs. Is this like a Dov? What is it? Dov Dov, David, Dov Charney? Is this like a Dov Charney <laughs> photo shoot? What is happening? We need to- Anytime the photographer is like, we need to get access to your penis, it's usually like, you know what? I think I'm good. I'm just going to go. But once Joey was tightly bound, Joseph just tipped the ladder into the pool of water and watched his own son drown. In a, in a pool of muddy, disgusting construction water. And the way oh. they, in the description of it, because... Joseph Callinger was like obviously immediately trying to distance himself psychologically from what he's watching because he watched his son hit the water and then like just be like, help, help me, daddy, like through like trying to get his voice thing. And he they just like it just went blink, blink, and it just erased itself from Callinger's mind. Oh, my God. Like the men in black showed up and just erased his brain. huh? Yeah. And then once Joey was dead, they pulled the ladder out of the water, unchained him. And just left the body there. And as they walked away from the site, Joseph once again said that he just forgot everything that he'd just done. Well, then, honestly, man, why even do it? If you're just going to... Not, but he know. doesn't know that he's forgotten. He doesn't know that he forgot the first one. And he didn't know that he forgot the second one. He still thinks this whole time that he is on a mission from God to kill three billion people. Oh, my... Okay. Yeah, so he's locked in, man. He is scared. That's a one thing, too. He is scared. He uh, doesn't really understand his circumstances. And he this shit's appearing to him fucking photoreal and concrete. Okay, it's hard to comprehend, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Joey was reported missing at 11 p.m. that night, and Joey's body was not found for almost two weeks when a detective named Ed Funk discovered that the body was indeed Joey Callender. Hey, tell me, is that some kind of dead little boy? Mr. Detective Funk, could you stop living up to your name at every crime scene? <laughs> oh, I'll try, but it's hard to outlive the funk. I gotta keep playing bass it's so tr- I don't lose the rhythm. It's a tragic scene, sir. Yeah, tell me about it. I'm about to cry. 
Uh, in the weeks since the murder, Joseph had even spoken to the Philadelphia Bulletin about his missing son and had bizarrely recounted the first murder attempt on his son in the mines as a happy memory. You can't believe how many times my son almost died. Oh, <laughs> we laughed and we sang me and my sons. So he's pulling, remember Susan Smith, the mm-hmm. gal who drowned her children? He's doing one of those press conferences, is yep. that right? Mm-hmm. But the Philadelphia police, who knew all about Joseph Callinger's history of child abuse, pegged Joseph as murder suspect number one. He also did not make any friends in the police department because of how no. much he would. He is a, a, let's say, he is a difficult human being to deal with twenty four seven. I think that that's a fair statement to make. Yes, yes. the cops fucking hated him, and he hated cops. Okay, rightfully so on on the cops' part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the thing is, the cops didn't have any evidence beyond the insurance policy. Uh, honestly, I'm just going to say that's enough. You got the body. You have – I'm sure if well, they uh, – I just they feel like they could have like nipped this in the butt a little bit more. It's a hunch sooner. thing. So they all were like, that's a problem. It's kind of based on a hunch, but it's like a really, really, really good hunch. It's a huge hunch. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, I mean, it's just circumstantial. Okay. I mean, that's like the definition of circumstantial evidence. Circumstance that you put, took out an insurance policy on your son and then he ended up dead uh, about a month later. Marcus, lay it down! <laughs> I know. I'm just saying it's not going to hold up in a court of law. Okay. All right, all right, all right. But even though Joseph was a free man, he was about to become saddled with a new problem altogether as a result of his actions. On the day that the Philadelphia police told him that he was their main suspect in the murder of Joey Callinger, Joseph was walking down the same street where he killed his son when he saw, off in the distance, the head of a boy bobbing at eye level. What's up? Joseph tried to ignore it and went home, but the head followed him. Oh. And when Joseph got to his door, the head came close and showed itself. The vision was just the head of a boy with no mouth and no nose, and its skin was pus white and drawn across the skull. Oh my god, it's Betty White! (laughs) (laughs) Also, is is pus white, can I buy that at a Home Depot (laughs) to paint my walls with? Is that a real color? I'm sure one of our listeners is selling makeup called pus white right now. (laughs) I don't know a lot, but I see Natalie's stack of Sephora stuff, and I'm pretty certain I've seen a pus white highlighter. (laughs) (laughs) So nasty. The eyes of this vision were described in the shoemaker as small discs of brown cork surrounded by tiny veins like red worms and white fluid. This shit, think about how fucking scary this shit is. Yeah. It's just like, because at first it sounds like, it's like a cartoon. It's like, yeah. like as it's bobbing slowly and then showing up like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's Joe Scout's like, oh, <laughs> It kind of seems like, uh, what's the the cover of the movie Zombie? Yeah. A little bit like that. And this floating head was focused directly on Joseph. So Joseph unlocked the door, threw his keys at the apparition, and ran inside. (laughs) Don't bring my keys back here. Wait, hold on a second. I'm like a skunk, but with keys. That's my natural reaction. Out of all the violent things that this man has done, he reacted like my grandmother would. (laughs) Like he just threw his keys at oh. this severed head that's floating in front of him. Like that's gonna work. He acted like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> like we saw him with that stupid bandage on his head. He fell down in the shower. <laughs> and I hopefully he didn't see the severed head of fucking. Uh, I don't know who just recently died. Was it a uh, Barbara Bush? Barbara Bush. John McCain. Later, Joseph was once again working on an old pair of shoes when the head reappeared. E- 
But this time, it spoke, despite having no mouth, as if from a loudspeaker, and said in a high-pitched voice, quote, My name's Charlie! <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, Charlie never... I remember, it's got like... It's like, it's like its lips are like quivering, like... Well, it has no mouth. But that's what I'm it's like... Oh, chattering. <laughs> Can you hear it that? It can't chatter because it has no mouth. It has no mouth? Yeah, it has no mouth. It's, it's like fucking weird, creepy. It sounds like something that you have to whip in Castlevania yes. yeah. that come after you in that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ugh. No, it, it had no mouth and no nose. That's why he said that it sounded like the voice came from a loudspeaker because it had no mouth whatsoever. Wow. Now, Charlie never quite explained where he came from or who he was. He didn't have to. No. <laughs> Schreiber <laughs> figures Charlie was created out of guilt for murdering uh, his own son, hmm. but the only information Joseph could glean from this new vision in that first conversation was this. Charlie told him, quote, I belong to you and you belong to me! <laughs> Bye-bye! Bye-bye. And then it just disappeared. Yeah. Oh my just, god. And the next time Charlie showed up was during another interrogation by the police concerning Joey's disappearance. And you're in with the cops, right? And you're already being like, well, I'm just going to hold your shoes and I swear to God that I can make sure you're nine feet taller. And not only <laughs> nine feet taller, but also, if you've ever seen Stretch Armstrong, yeah, we can really spread you out. Okay. Then you become like a rubber man. It's all, what is that? What is that? And then uh. the head floats above the shoulder of the cop you're talking to. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The police captain's sitting there asking him questions about his son's murder, and the cop knows, like, has, like, just, like, a gut hunch that you are the murderer. Yeah. And then suddenly, Charlie popped up right over the shoulder of the police captain and said, quote, Every cop in the room would love to see you in your coffin! <laughs> Mr. Callenger, it seems like you're a little distracted. No, I'm, re- just, I'm a little you, distracted. You, you are feeling a little I'm distracted. A little distracted. Just, no. just getting back to your son here for a moment. Then you, kill him not one time, uh, maybe one time. But maybe not one. That I remember. Okay. Charlie, I'm going to need you to be quiet, okay? That's now, a severed head who's my friend. Oh, there's a severed head behind me. Yeah, 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 yeah. But don't go. He's cool. He's cool. Okay. Well, Joseph told him to shut up. Well, the shut co- up. <laughs> but the cop thought that Joseph was talking to him. And the cop got pissed off. And Charlie said, quote, That pig thought that you told him to shut up. Oink, 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 oink. Why is his imagination so fun, though? <laughs> I know, <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> no, that is that is crazy. And, and still, after five hours of that kind of back and forth, the cops still let Joseph free because Duff they Lon. had nothing. Duffline can never get me. Can never keep me slippery as soap. <laughs> I guess so. It was around this time that Betty had another kid. Oh my! This story is—it's inc- it's okay. Oh, that's this is what you had. You lost one, <laughs> I guess. So then I guess you replace the kid. Because what I mean, what is Joe Callinger's sex style like? Is it just him going, "Oh, honey, I can't wait to." Just ba-boom, 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 like a tugboat. Like tugboat coming into the harbor. Ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. And she's sitting on the bed being like, oh, I can't wait for you to come inside me and make another little one of you. Honestly, I, I don't know if you did it on accident, but that's a Don Rickles bit. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> the tugboat thing. When, when, Eddie, when Eddie and I went to see Don Rickles and uh, Bill, Billy Crystal, was it Billy Crystal? No, Regis Philbin. Ah. It was the Reach. That's his opening bit. He does his tugboat thing. and he's. Which, which, that's which, weird. It was weird. <laughs> I must absorb that somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this kid was a little girl named Bonnie. 
But Bonnie had been born with a rare condition called... I'm going to do my best with this. This is very complicated. Cutis marmorata talangiectatica congenita. Is that the book of the dead? Why do all of these things <laughs> I am floating so o- freaking difficult? Can you see me that I'm floating over the bed? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't painful, but the disease caused Bonnie's skin to be covered in purple patches. Mm. There was and still is no cure, but one night, Joseph had an hallucinatory dream in which he thought he was given an answer to his daughter's problems. To put the hallucination into broad strokes, because it was quite vivid. This is cool as shit. It, <laughs> it's I mean, interesting. It, it's disgusting, but it is, and, and, I, and I'm putting this into extremely broad strokes here, because this vision is extremely detailed Ugh. and very long. Okay. But in this vision, Joseph was walking down a long corridor with a crystal wand in his left hand. Oh, this is awesome. I'm like Superman and Gandalf. <laughs> The corridor opened out to a road leading to a one-story house, and suddenly a shower of golden shoelaces fell from the sky. (laughs) Angels then descended from on high and sang this to Joseph. Joseph Callenger, master shoemaker and god of the universe, O healer and destroyer, we sing your praises now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Another very on-brand hallucination. (laughs) It is like crazy. I mean, this is why he's the shoemaker, I suppose. It's the Big Lebowski. (laughs) Man, this story is just out there. Then the headless figure of a naked woman appeared before Joseph in the middle of the road. And squatting where her head should have been was a demon with a gigantic erect penis. Oh, hey, I don't, buddy. (laughs) Examining the woman further, Joseph found that she had enormous breasts and an exposed body cavity. And hanging from her nipples was a doll-sized man with bat wings and a frog's head. Wait a second, is that Henry Zabrowski? Literally, Clive Barker couldn't come up with a better character for Hellraiser than this. Could not. The Bat Frog Man also had a huge erection, and he was trying to stick it into the open wound on the woman's torso. Hey, when in Rome. <laughs> oh my God. They're not in Rome. They're in Pennsylvania. No, but yeah, I'm in Pennsylvania. I'm also, my dick is shaft deep inside of this woman's torso. Oh my God. And slapping at the legs of the little man was Joseph's baby daughter Bonnie. She was sitting amongst the woman's intestines. Fuck shit. Fuck yeah. Like, uh, what is it, Krang? Yeah, like Krang. Just like Krang. Just like Krang. (laughs) (sighs) Joseph waved the wand again, but this time it turned into a tiny dried penis. So Joseph. Well, that means that, of course, he's in the Slytherin club. <laughs> That's what that means. He's, he's a Slytherin. How did you pull That's that? Pretty, That's Harry a pretty Potter good. Yeah, thing. and it's house, not club. What? <laughs> I got the Slytherin part. He's in a Slytherin house. Have so you haven't seen have, a minute he's... of Harry Potter? Did you just pull that from the collective unconscious? I've seen it. I've, I've seen it. I read, the, I read all the books. You did? Yeah. What was, what was the last one called? Titan. Titan dry, <laughs> no, it was uh, the lost key of my ass. I don't know what it the was called. The lost key of my asshole. <laughs> I don't know. So Joseph threw the tiny dried penis to the ground. He heard the sound of fire, 
So he followed the sound and found people with arms like the branches of trees bound by chains into the earth. They were all groaning and wailing, dying by fire. And on the ground next to them were empty shoes dancing to the cries of pain. That's fucking cool. Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> then Joseph saw the face of Lucifer, which morphed into a vagina. In there, buddy. Which Flora Schreiber inexplicably called a quote. Harry Delta. Oh, at least she didn't call it a grody punani. Like, and then it's it's icky dicky little little pupu Like, I hate oh people God. have baby names for vaginas. That's and disgusting. And Flora Schreiber. I mean, she really is like a fantastic descriptive writer. I mean, there's yeah. a reason why Sybil was such a gigantic hit because it's it's her. She is a fantastically descriptive writer. I love her writing style, but I just can't get past. I just say vagina. Just, just say, say vagina. you're an adult. Well, just no. say you don't have to say Harry. Delta. Well, no, and Harry... it's not evocative. I know what a vagina looks like. Scruffy envelope. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Delta, of course, went on to be one of the stars of Designing Women. Hell yeah. Uh, it was wonderful. Delta you did it again. Bird. I did it again. I did it again. Then the vagina began to speak to Joseph in a raunchy voice. Oh, God, the vagina a... <laughs> said, quote, I know what'll cure Bonnie. Ugh. Take my fluid. Mix it with your semen. And with perfume, and put the liquid on Bonnie's sores. Thank you. All right, well, this is, I didn't realize that Casey Anthony was doing sex audiobooks oh. now. Um, that is enough of that. Single and ready to mingle. I know. <laughs> and with that, Joseph had a mission. He took this as instruction. He was going to follow the advice of the talking vagina, but in order to do so, he needed vaginal fluid. Mm-hmm. Of, he, of course. Yes, because the, the vagina said, take my fluid. <sighs> okay. And he decided that his wife was too old. I got plenty of fluid, though, Joe. <laughs> You're too old. You know that for a fact. So he and Mike went searching for someone young and healthy. And this is when this takes a big fucking left turn. Mm. And since Joseph supposedly didn't remember his first two murders, he thought this would be the perfect opportunity to kick off his world massacre. He legitimately, every time it's it's restarted like this, he had to imagine, be like, okay, time to kill our first one. Yeah. Yeah, time for the appetizer. But then they, it's like, you've already killed two people. Right. So Joseph and Mike, armed with a butcher knife and a brown paper bag, got on a bus and headed to the suburban town of Lindenwold, New Jersey. They also barely covered that fucking knife. That's what they said, is that the knife was literally like, it's just like they just wrapped paper around a knife. Mm. But once they got there, Joseph found a third companion had come along. As they were looking for a house, who should show up but Charlie? Oh, Oh, great. But when Joseph told Charlie to get the hell out of there, now's not the time, Charlie. Right. Charlie said, quote, Joseph, you old horse's ass, chicken brain, fuck her up. You're a real laugh, you know that? If you're going to be God, then I'm the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to fuck the Virgin Mary. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, I, uh, Charlie, I, I appreciate you doing your version of the aristocrats. Uh, that is really, that's great. But you need to get out of here now. Then the pupils in Charlie's eyes disappeared, leaving only the whites of his eyeballs. And he faded away, Bye. laughing. Bye. Oh, God. <laughs> and at that moment, Mike, who'd been wandering around the suburban neighborhood by himself, approached his father and told him that he'd found a woman all alone. 
To make sure she was alone, Michael knocked on her door and asked her if she'd like to buy any tie clasps. When she said her husband didn't wear those, Michael asked if he was around so he could make sure he didn't want any. But she said she was alone. Mm. And with that knowledge, the plan went forward. See, Joseph had dressed up nicely that day, wearing the suit and tie that he always did when they went out to commit crimes. So when he knocked on the door holding Mike by the arm, he had an air of respectability. When the woman answered the door, Joseph angrily asked her if this young boy had tried to sell her anything. She got a bad feeling and started to close the door, but before she got a chance, Joseph and Mike burst into the house. They took her upstairs, stripped her naked, laid her down on her bed, and tied her wrists and ankles to the bed springs with boot laces before slipping a pillowcase over her head. They ransacked the house for valuables, then Joseph told Mike he wanted to be alone with the woman. Once Mike left, the visions Again. This is fucking frightening. Because think about this. They have now ransacked this whole house because they're trying to make whatever money they can. Joseph, very, Joseph is a very big man, too. Mm. Joseph looked over into the corner of the bedroom and saw the shadowy figure of a man. And as the man turned towards Joseph, Callinger realized that this figure was his double. And this double was facing a figure of a nude woman whose features were vague and her mouth was open in a silent scream. Then Joseph watched as the man pulled out a knife with his left hand and began moving it in and out of the woman's stomach. But before Joseph could mimic the vision in front of him, he had to follow the instructions the talking vagina had given him. And here's where things are about to get both disgusting and disturbing. Okay, here's the time. <laughs> we've, we've been there yeah. this entire these this series might this might be the most disturbed i have felt in a maybe the two years yeah. good this is yeah. really bad i'm glad we can still get to you yeah, yeah. no you guys you constantly have traumatized and triggered me well callinger needed semen to complete his concoction but just as he was about to rape his victim he went limp and the visions vanished determined to still go through with it though Joseph rubbed his soft penis on the woman's pubic hair until a few pathetic blobs of semen dribbled out. Then he put his finger into the woman's vagina for fluid. Then he gathered his semen and put it all in a rubber glove before taking a bottle of perfume from her dresser to complete his list of ingredients. But since the vision had disappeared, Joseph no longer had the inspiration, for lack of a better word, to go through with the murder. So Joseph and Mike left the house without doing it. Hmm. This okay. this episode that, that they do, there's something about it, obviously. I mean, this is very harrowing. It's sexual assault. And it's very frightening. But there's something to me that's even more frightening is, again, we are telling the story from inside of Callinger's brain, right? Yeah. So he can see all this shit. But there's stuff about how a man... His 12 or 13-year-old son have mm. bound and gagged you. You're in a room, and you don't know what's about to happen to you. You're pretty certain you're about to get murdered. He has a knife in his hands. He stops. He's on top of you. He's, like, looking at you. He stops. Then again, stares into the middle distance, not seeing something that's not there, like, literally there, and then proceeds to rub himself on you. Like, you're still, again, waiting. What the fuck's going to happen? What's going to happen here? And then he's just like, okay. We're done. And then they just leave. Horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. So when Joseph got home, he mixed the semen, the vaginal fluid, and the perfume with some warm water and applied the tincture to his infant daughter's skin. 
and kept doing it every evening for a week. Oh. I actually saw that in an article in Goop. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? That's the title article. I think that's why they're closing it down at yeah. this point. They, they went a little too far with that one. My God. But when nothing happened, Charlie came back to taunt Joseph. Charlie then gave Joseph instructions to go out the next day with Mike, find a house, and kill whoever he found inside. This is like office space. He's got seven bosses. <laughs> a lot of bosses. Very crazy. And to give him what I suppose was encouragement, Charlie told Joseph to look over into the While You Wait booths in his store. And there, Joseph saw the figure of the murderer and the victim once more. And again, the knife just slowly moved in and out. In and out. And I mean, I guess, is he late with their shoes? Why, <laughs> yes. why are they there? Yes. What is I don't know. I don't Just know. Get them out of there. Rise from your grave. Rise from your grave. So the next day, Joseph and Mike headed to Susquehanna Township in Pennsylvania and settled on a nice two-story house. And Joseph was coming to this one with a brand new method. Right before they left Kensington, Joseph had seen a vision of his double, whom he had come to call the Supreme Power. Hmm. And in this vision, the Supreme Power was pouring lighter fluid into a woman's eyes. So Joseph figured that this is what he needed to do. Honestly, it, it's kind of like a hashtag mood to see yourself in the mirror and call yourself the Supreme Power. Because <laughs> I think not. it's important to remember that. But as right. long as you're not convincing yourself to drown a woman in kerosene, yeah. mm -hmm. then I think you're G to G. <laughs> this might very well be the premise of Jordan Peele's Us. Isn't there another? Is, I think that because I watched... Plagiarism! <laughs> That's plagiarism! That's plagiarism! That's you're, you're, you're I understand parallel thinking. Okay, thank you. But as long as there's not one little seven boy's penis in that movie, no, there is not I, will be well, I haven't seen it yet. I yeah. have no idea what us is going to be about. But. So at 11.30 a.m., Joseph and Mike broke into a nice two-story suburban home while the occupant was out running errands, and they waited for her to return. As soon as she walked inside, the two of them grabbed her and pointed a gun in her face. Think about how surprising this is. Mm. This is at 11.30 in the goddamn morning. Ugh, like, crazy. you just went out, you're you're, you're getting, do, doing your shit, you're going grocery shopping, and then you walk into being held hostage by a man and a child. Yeah, that is crazy. The morning does make it uh, more frightening in a strange what, way. Or why at least, is that? At the very least, more surprising. Because yeah. at night, obviously, you feel more vulnerable because you can't see, but there's just something about how, like, in the morning, you're like, oh, I'm not, nothing's going to happen to me no. right now. Mm -hmm. No, at night, there's a big difference between going to the bathroom at 2 o'clock in the afternoon at 2 a.m. 2 a.m. A lot of people bring a baseball bat with them. <laughs> You've been doing that? No, I don't do that. You do that in your own home? You take no, a baseball bat to your own bathroom? No, I go, I bring a bag of chips to the bathroom. <laughs> yes, I've so seen I this. I do an entirely different thing. So they led her upstairs and tied her to the bed, then placed absorbent cotton moistened with lighter fluid onto her eyes before covering almost her entire face in adhesive tape. Mm. The plan was to set her on fire to mimic a vision that was once again playing out in front of Joseph Callinger in the bedroom. But just as Joseph had taken out the can of lighter fluid that he brought along, the vision once again vanished. And Joseph said that he felt, quote unquote, 
silly. Yeah, I'd feel silly too. <laughs> because he'd gotten everything set up but didn't go through with it. Yeah. He said that was his emotion at that time is that he just felt silly. He like, felt honestly, like a real goof. Like, like, <laughs> I'm like, like, I'm like John Candy in stripes right now. I'm just the biggest goof in the yard. The egg on my face. Oh my God. I am so sorry that I put you through this. For me, I mean, like, let's think about how embarrassing this is for me. Jeez, how far gone do you have to be to use silly as the descriptor for you not being able to uh, keep the visions while you're murdering a woman but at that moment the doorbell rang what joe and mike didn't know was the woman they had tied to the bed upstairs had planned a luncheon that day so one by one the guests began to show up and one by one mike and joseph brought each of them inside and restrained them with wire hangers taken from the closet this is like faulty towers but with murder. Yeah, <laughs> very serious episode of Faulty Towers. By the end of it, they had four hostages. But once Joseph got them all where he wanted them, he was struck with another vision. This one was the most vivid and involved vision yet. Now, these are four struggling people. He told each one of them, he's like, calm down, nothing's going to happen. We're here. This is like right now, this, mm-hmm. this is our situation. Mm-hmm. We're just going to, we're going to play this by ear and everybody's going to smile. Because mm-hmm. this whole thing, he's like, I want to treat them with respect. Yeah. And no. so, so as he's talking to them, so now you've got four people and so it happens again. These people struggling, they they didn't know what else going to happen. Joe is now just staring at the wall. And I guess Michael is just like, you have an idea, Daddy? Like, I don't know what he's doing. Well, Mike was upstairs with the hostages. Oh, yeah, that's be- right. Because they took the hostages upstairs into the bedroom, like, one by one. And Joseph was down in the dining room by himself, where the settings had been placed for the day's luncheon. He's just staring off into the distance. Most people Jeez. you see alone in a subway are doing this. <laughs> right, right. Okay. And suddenly, the vision began, and the supreme power entered the room. And in the vision, the four hostages came with him. Mm. The supreme power stripped the women, then laid them on the floor and cut off their breasts, putting all eight into plastic bags before continuing downward to their hairy deltas, which Florida Schreiber used again as a descriptor for the scene. Okay. The double then knelt down and pulled out the innards, removing the lungs, heart, intestines, uterus, ovaries, and livers of each woman. But this is the vision, This right? is the vision. Okay. After that came the eyes, tongues, and ears, which were all removed right before the supreme power took off their heads. Mm. The entrails were then... Pl- The entrails were then put into pans for baking, while the eyes, ears, tongues, and ovaries were all placed in Pyrex dishes. We're nose to tail here. (laughs) (laughs) Then, making several trips, the supreme power took what Joseph now assumed was a meal into the kitchen for preparation. After only a few moments, though, the double came back wearing an apron of fine linen, carrying gold dishes filled with blood gravy and eyeball hors d'oeuvres. Cool. No, it is. It's like Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. Yeah. It's disgusting. It's like a goth luncheon. (laughs) Honestly, I do know for a fact that you would drink blood of animals and eat their eyeballs in a stool. I have. In a stool. In a stool. I've put it in my stool. uh No, this whole scene, it sounds like something out of Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. Like, is or in the invisible specifically doom patrol it sounds just like this horrible psychedelic uh nightmare why can't i mean 
I know that uh, there's a fine line between crazy and artistic and art and uh, artists and someone who is just crazy. But it seems like if you just had a typewriter, because he is so he's like these who's are very buying sp- these books, Kissel. Uh, <laughs> you, you would who's he just buy this two book? authors that reminded him of that exact story. <laughs> so I mean, people like, would. You need more narrative than no, that. I know we need a narrative. I'm just saying, if you just gave him the books for the description part, he well, could come up with some crazy stuff. Well, when the supreme power brought the golden dishes back into the room as he was wearing the apron of fine linen, he was no longer the supreme power. He was now what Joseph called the perfect waiter. Oh, I thought you were... oh what's so nice about being a waiter? Still a <laughs> sparkling blood? Oh, we've got, oh, so we got specials of the day. We got some hairy deltas fresh from the living room. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Callenger, I am not a waiter, sir. I am actually an actor who happens to be waiting tables at the time. Tell me all about uh, it. I, I am... am a shoemaker primarily, but also I'm an assassin for Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. Well, that's great. So I thought you were going to say he thought she was Julia Childs, but... So after bringing out dish after dish of cooked human remains, the perfect waiter finally brought out a sterling silver platter. On this surface, he had arranged the four heads of the women to point north, south, east, and west, and each one had an apple shoved into its mouth. And in the middle of the four heads, looking towards the ceiling, was who else but good old Charlie, who just looked at Joseph and gave him a wink, wink, this is a. It's just. It's like a, it's like a child show from hell. Yeah. Then at that moment, a man whom Joseph assumed was the homeowner's husband walked into the vision. The man was stripped and blindfolded before he could see the meal before him, and the perfect waiter sat him down in a chair and tied him by the chest, leaving his arms free for movement. He sat and he ate blindfolded, happy as a clam, oh. smacking his lips, mm. loving the whole thing. Mm. Like Ooh, when this that- is. This is good. <laughs> it's like when oh. that person ate the human brains in Hannibal. Was yeah. it Hannibal when they did it? You're like, this is really... T- was that Ray Liotta's That was brain? Ray Liotta. And oh, yeah. he, wasn't he eating his own brain? Something like that. Yeah. He's like, this is quite tasty. Yeah. Brain is tasty. Yeah. Isolate the audio. <laughs> Isolate the audio once again on Henry Zabrowski. Then, when the man was done, the perfect waiter removed the blindfold, and the man screamed in horror at the sight of his wife's head. Then he fainted. First person acting normal. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, if you enjoy this story, I would recommend The Story Must Be Told here on Last Podcast Network <laughs> because this sounds a lot like the types of stories that they write. This is when you wanted to put on business owner hat. <laughs> you wanted to do that now. This is the time. You have never plugged another show on this show ever. It very and- much reminds me of their style. And you think that's going to drive listenership to them? This is one of the most disturbing things I have ever heard. And you're like, now is the time. No, it is a great show. The story must be told right here on LPN Network. Well, after that, the perfect waiter morphed back into the supreme power and cut off the man's testicles, penis, and head, then rearranged the table setting where the heads of husband and wife sat neatly together. And as a final touch... The supreme power placed the testicles in the husband's mouth. Okay, there's something missing here. What's been... I know. <laughs> Gotta put the ornaments on the tree. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what a part of it is? It's, uh, it's very much like... There was a music video, I think Radiohead, where they do like a... There was like a cartoon... You're talking about the Paranoid Android video? I think so. But the way of the 
kind of music video style of him cutting the heads off where you know it's like it's very perfunctory like it, it, it's mm. very like slice 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 the parts fall unemotional the body falls matter, back. matter of fact yes right right, right. okay Interesting. Well, let me just take this time to plug Wizard and the Bruiser. Uh, it's another great show here on the last podcast. If network. you love gutted uh, women, you will love Holden McNeely's voice. <laughs> testicles in mouths. The Holden McNeely story. So after seeing all this, Joseph was perfectly satisfied that God's will had been done. Joseph Callinger actually believed that what he had just seen had actually happened and that he'd kicked off his world massacre with five brutal murders. So Joseph called out to Mike, motioned for him to come downstairs and said, let's go. And then once again, they just left. Yep. What? So now these the people, real people are alive upstairs. There, oh, yeah. are still, there are four people tied up with wire hangers up in the bedroom. One of them is has her entire face covered in a piece of tape. There's lighter fluid oh. leaking into her eyes, and Joseph Callender just says, okay, let's go. Yeah, oh we're done here. God. And the break-ins and assaults continued after that and only increased in brutality. About two weeks before Christmas, Joseph and Mike broke into a home at 3 p.m. in a suburb of Baltimore called Homeland, and Joseph orally raped a woman. About a month after that, they did it again at 9 a.m. in Dumont, New Jersey. And on both occasions, the Supreme Power had appeared, showing Joseph what to do. But just before the moment of murder, the vision went away, and the urge to kill left with it. Hmm. But on January 8, 1975, in the New Jersey town of Leonia, Joseph wouldn't need the double at all to commit his third and final murder. Hmm. Again, Joseph used Mike as bait. The 12-year-old boy knocked on the door, and when the owner opened, Joseph pushed his way through, and the terrified woman immediately told him that her invalid grandmother was upstairs in bed. Not really caring, Joseph made the woman strip. Once she was undressed, Joseph began to walk up the stairs to kill the grandmother with the hunting knife he brought with him. But at that moment, the doorbell rang. It was the woman's sister and her son. Once again... Joseph and Mike have burst their way into a social function. But also the way he put it is that he treated them with respect. And he was just like, Ugh. I don't want to be doing this. I, I, I hate to be doing this. This is my job. I'm going to need you to really remove your clothes. Because it, it seems like you're doing it. I'd prefer if you didn't do it. I hate the fact that I'm doing this. Yeah. And then he would go and, do, and be very like it was. But he felt that he was being nice. He just felt like they just didn't understand that he was a part of a um, a massive quest. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Well, the woman's father had just suffered a heart attack, and on that day, family members and friends were coming by for tea in her time of need. Now, Joseph actually liked this idea. In his mind, the more people that showed up, the more he could kill all in one place, thereby getting him closer to his ultimate goal. Not really, though, <laughs> because it's still, again, three billion people but, you would have to do this to. But even then, it's still it's like, okay, well, I can kill one person today, or I can kill five people today. He likened it to, uh, to the Nazis. He was like, okay, well, yeah, it was like uh, the Holocaust. We get all these people all in one place, and we kill them all, all at once. Like, that was, now that, that was efficiency. That's what uh, he said, straight yeah. up. No, was I'm just sure being I, like, it's like, the organization and the paperwork was absolutely Absolutely fabulous with the Germans. That yeah. is not surprising that he would sympathize with the Nazis' efficiency for murdering people. Yeah, and that's but that's all he sympathized with. It was just the it was the process of it. I he, hate their hats. <laughs> and all, right. but I'll tell you one thing: the shoes. 
Og så har man gått stav. Og så har man gått shows. Shana, la la shows. Now you're just fully Tony Clifton. <laughs> that, of course, was the Andy Kaufman character for you young folks out there who don't know. It's a great character. Great movie. Man on the Moon. So, Joseph brought the sister and her son inside and had them strip as well. Not too long after that, the doorbell rang again. Joseph opened the door and pointed his gun in the face of two women and a man and ordered them all inside. Joseph was in the process of stripping them as well when the doorbell rang again. And at the door was Mr. Plum coming to join the party. (laughs) Ringing the bell this time was a young woman named Maria Fashing. She had taken the day off from her job as a nurse to come by and see how her friend was doing. But Joseph figured he'd change tack on this one. Instead of opening the door holding the gun, Joseph greeted her with a friendly hello and welcomed Marie inside. <sighs> All right, come on, We're having a... Just, come on, have fun. We're having a little get-together. Just, just one question. Who the fuck are you? Why are you in this goddamn house? I've never seen you before. I'm the perfect waiter. <laughs> well, she just assumed that he was a family friend. And oh. she assumed he was a family friend that she didn't know. Mm. And she returned the friendly greeting. He was like, hello. She was like, hi, how are you? But when she walked inside, she saw all of these people stripped, tied up on the floor. Ugh. Now, Maria, she was a take-no-shit kind of girl. So instead of being scared upon seeing all of her friends tied up on the floor, she got pissed and tried untying everyone. She only stopped when the 12-year-old Mike pointed a handgun in her face. Mm. Because Mike, this whole time in all of these break-ins, was in charge of the gun. Because he believed, because Joseph said he had the bigger penis, because it was much, much bigger. He was allowed to handle the gun. So all of this time, it's Joseph like literally being like, Do what he wants. Do what he wants to Mike. And Mike's this little kid being like, put your hands behind your back. Like like, as a little boy with a fucking loaded handgun in your mouth. A four foot, 11, 12 year old is pointing a handgun at you. It is the closest thing to ever having a real life attack by Chucky. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. You just want to kick it. Every time you see that movie, you're like, just kick it. But then you realize it's a demon from hell. It's really hard. Kids are dangerous. That's what I take from this. Absolutely they are. But just as Joseph was getting Maria down to the ground, he had another vision. He saw a hunting knife, just like the one he was carrying, floating in the air, and there was something small stuck to the end of it. Oh, what's that cute little thing? Oh, what's that funny? Is that some kind of lemur? Is that that some kind of gecko? I don't think this is going to be good. He soon realized that the tiny thing was his own penis. Deja vu. That's what I'm having. Oh, there it is, my schmuckle. Oh, how I missed you. Give her, come kisses. Kisses, kisses. And that's when Charlie came. He told Joseph that he had no choice but to cut off a penis that day. <laughs> Gotta do it today. Gotta have, there's gonna uh, be a penis cut off. Yeah, a penis. Not, not his own, necessarily. Not his own. Okay. And at that moment, Joseph began another full-blown immersive hallucination. Mm. This time, Joseph saw a long line of portraits, and in each portrait was a person from Joseph's past, and they were all making fun of his tiny penis. Every comedian has the same hall of legends inside of their mind. <laughs> is that what you're calling the hockey team that you grew up with? This is the, the hall of legends. Those, those spaces <laughs> exist for every performer, reminding you of oh, yeah. a tiny penis, and you got to get out there, and you got to make them laugh, or your penis will fall off. Right. He should have just gone to the stage. His wife, Betty, was there. Joe 
Zoe was there, his ex-wife Hilda, his daughter Mary Jo, even his adopted parents came back to make fun of his little dick. And the Tin Man came, and the <laughs> oh Scarecrow, every single one of them. And oh, it was like a family reunion, but I wish it was just centered around maybe how good mm-hmm. of a shoemaker I am. That well, would be nice. It sounds like a VR game that should never be made. <laughs> well, supposedly, the vision of his mother said, quote, Small, small, small. It will never get hot. Always soft, because the demon was cut out. You will always be a good boy and a good man. Never get into trouble. Oh, man, that's... Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> so Mom, I tried. I wish I could. I gotta tell you what, but all that penis... You can take the demon out of the penis, but you right. can't take the penis out of the demon. Are oh. you are you uh, putting Mama Tried on Joseph Callender? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, we were just in Nashville. Is that the, the country version of this story? <laughs> then the portraits vanished along with the floating penis on the knife, and only Charlie was left. Joseph asked, quote, Cut off my own cock? <laughs> and Charlie said, Not yours, dumb cough! The big guy on the floor! His cock! <laughs> Charlie, I understand that you have a lot going on, but could you be nicer to me? <laughs> I don't got time for bedside manner. We got cops. Cut off a guy's. I don't want to bring the audience out of this whatsoever because it's amazing, but we are in a hotel room, and I'm sure there's a family next to us that is um, calling security as we speak. So this is fun. That's what's fun about recording on the road, the opportunity for officers to come and knock on the door and All make sure I everything's can hope okay. is that they're going to call the cops, but they're going to call casting services and say, there is an incredible voice actor in room, whatever room we're in. So Joseph complied. He took the guy down to the boiler room of the house because, as he told Flora Schreiber, Joseph Callender had always been an underground man. Yeah, I hate a penthouse. I hate windows. <laughs> no, I think it's because you like to dig and you like to then dump in the dig and then you ejaculate in the dig. You know what? I completely forgot the shit in my hole today. <laughs> yeah, you know, you did that's forget. the problem. That's, that's, why the... I, that's why my whole day has been off. Well, maybe... I didn't come properly once on top of my shit right. because it's so much fun to see. Because you know what's like? You ever had chocolate mousse with a nice like swirl of whipped cream at the top of it? Yeah. I make it out of my own body. Out of your own body. <laughs> well, maybe go do that and then you wouldn't have to commit this act of murder. Yeah, yeah, because when I'm in that hole, every day is Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, once they were down in the boiler room, Joseph tied the man to a water pipe, bound his wrists and ankles with wire, and pulled down his pants. He then poked the guy in the testicles with his hunting knife, but stopped when he was struck with an idea. This is ludicrous. (laughs) What I'm doing right now is ludicrous, I would agree. Yes, I agree with that. He wasn't going to do this himself. Like he had with his sons, Joseph was going to delegate this mutilation. So Joseph went back upstairs and randomly chose Maria for the job. He said the choice was as impersonal as hailing a taxi. He said any one of the three women were going to take him where he wanted to go. So it didn't really matter which one he chose. So he picked up Maria and led her downstairs. She shuffled behind him because her ankles were still bound together, and she had no idea where she was going because she was blindfolded. Finally, once they got to the basement, Joseph told her what he wanted her to do. Either chew off this guy's penis or die. Repeat that. This is literally what he asked her. Either chew off this guy's penis or die. But he's got a hunting knife. Why can't... Because that's what God wanted. God is really... 
making some bad choices. <laughs> He's Good being weird God. today. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But to this, she said, kill me. I don't care if I live. So Joseph did just that. Without even thinking, Joseph plunged the hunting knife into the right side of her neck, mm. pulled it out, and did it again and again. And the whole time, Charlie was screaming in Joseph's ear to do it more, do it more. Oh. So Joseph kept stabbing in the chest and in the back, but Maria didn't fall. She kept standing. Then Joseph heard Mike yelling from upstairs. One of their hostages had escaped and was now running out the door, screaming for help. Joseph and Mike had to go, but before they left, Joseph looked back into the boiler room one more time to see Maria still standing in her own blood. He said she was turning from right to left, and it looked like she was dancing. That description God. chills me. Like, oh. I, got a, I literally had a chill run up my spine. Yeah, yeah it's, dis- whoa, it's disgusting. So they ran. And as they ran, they threw away the gun and the knife just a block from the home. They stopped at a baseball field and knelt down to a puddle of water where Joseph took off his coat, his jacket, his tie, and his shirt. He tried washing out the bloodstains, but they weren't coming out. So they kept running, taking the clothes with them until they came to a green shed. There, Joseph took his bloody green shirt and tie and threw it inside. Out of sight, out of mind. (laughs) I guess so. My God. After that, they hopped on a bus to New York City. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> we're, we're Got off at Penn are... Station and had a slice of pizza. Hey, you know, you're tired. It's yeah. been a long day. Yeah, New York City where dreams are made of. That is, usually when people do this, they dress up to go uh, to New York City. But I guess he kind of dressed down. Yeah. It's really bizarre to me, and I don't know why I keep on thinking about this, that he would dress up for this bizarre ritual ceremony that he would do. Be like, going to work. Yep, and free. then when he's being a shoemaker, he's like, looking like I don't have a job. Yep. <laughs> Technically, you're at work when you're making shoes. Every single time he went out for all of these, he was dressed in a full suit and tie. Reminds me of the German fella. Yeah. It is. I think it's on purpose. Curtain. It is elevating it to a ritual. All of Ugh. this is very ritualistic. Yeah. Well, finally, Joseph and Mike made it back home to Kensington and assumed they'd gotten away with the whole thing. Woo! Yeah, that was close. I can't believe we almost got caught. That was crazy. And I got to tell you what, all we got to do is two billion nine hundred and ninety nine million nine hundred and ninety nine thousand nine hundred and ninety eight more times. Jeez. But now we have multiple witnesses who have seen this. And how often do you see a father son duo break into multiple homes? I'm surprised this crime spree has been able to go on for this long. Well, they I mean, remember, I mean, this is not just happening in like a 2-mile radius around their house. This is happening in New Jersey, this is happening in Philadelphia, mm. this is happening in Maryland. Like this is like three states and they're taking buses every single day time they do this. They're taking buses hours away from their own home. Right, right. Oh, so and, it was like a little it was a mini tour for them. Yeah, and they might have gotten away with it or at the very least might have kept killing until they got caught if not for one thing sewn into the label of the shirt joseph left behind was the name 
Callinger. So dumb. So <sighs> ridiculous. They are just, I mean, we, you know what? I'm going to even take that back because it's not fucking dumb. He's just sick as shit. Yeah. And he, did, he had no wherewithal. These were not like, yeah, these were pre, they were premeditated, but also this is why we said in the first episode, this is like if Richard Chase had a job. Once he was activated into these crimes, he obviously was not thinking clearly. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't that he was getting a, a, a it wasn't like a Dennis Raider where everything was about to control particular yeah, yeah and everything was a choice that he made himself right. like yeah. Dennis Rader everything was a choice that he made every single fucking so thing that he did he's living in this really bizarre version of the movie Dutch uh, just hanging yes. out with this yeah. freaking kid are they having fun yeah. Is the kid literally like, we're going to New York City, going to have a slice uh, of pie? No, I don't know. Like, I really go back and forth on whether or not this kid was actually having fun well, or whether he was just fucking terrified the entire time and was just going along because he was afraid that his father was going to murder him if he didn't. One detail that shows me that he at least was raised not to enjoy it, but to be, was that he kept asking if he could sexually assault all the women. But that's also according to Joseph. Yeah. You know, like, that's the thing is that this is all according to Joseph. This is according to what Joe says. I think Michael was at the very least like compliant mm. uh, but I I have, a hard, inc- to- I have a hard time saying that he's complicit because he's okay. 12 years old. Well, he, yes. was in, he was in danger yeah, the entire in time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, the two of these guys have been seen running by a woman named Eva Rummy uh, who was out walking her dog. She had seen these guys running away from the scene and eventually the shirt was found. Nine days later, the cops showed up on Callinger's front porch. On January 17th, 1975, Betty was watching the Rockford Files while Joseph and Mike were looking through their stolen coin collection when they heard a knock at the door. See, by this time, the cops had put together a picture. The shirt was damning evidence, of course, but Joseph had also left a fingerprint behind at the luncheon in Susquehanna Township. Mm. And the M.O. and the description of a man with a young boy had been linked to other cases in the area. Mm. Word was starting to get around. So on January 17th, 19 cops from three different states burst into the Callinger home armed with shotguns and arrested one of the most bizarre and dangerous monsters Philadelphia has ever seen. Oh, thank goodness that they ended that story. And they my really God. did the full fucking rollout. Yeah. Because oh that's how God. you know when yeah. you get the cops really mad, when they just show up being like, we're going to put you in the fucking anklets. We're going to throw you in the back of this but, car. We are going to get you, get you. I mean, honestly, though, by today's standards, that would have been a tank, yeah. a helicopter, yes. maybe lockdown of the whole neighborhood, semi-automatics for sure. As far as what happened to Michael, uh, he was put in a foster care and moved in with a relative of Betty's. Got put on probation until he was 21. And after that, he moved out of Pennsylvania, changed his name, and faded into obscurity. And probably still alive, living somewhere in America. I mean, this was not that long ago. No, at all. No, and he was I young. That, uh... I mean, I hope he came back because I know Flora Schreiber tried getting a hold of him. Uh, and the foster parents that, uh, that Michael had... Uh, told her to fuck off oh i bet they, they yeah, were like fuck off he does not we do not want to talk about this he does not want to talk about this we want to put this behind us forever yeah uh, I, I don't think we'll be getting him anytime soon and i think he should just move on and i, I hope he's put it all behind him uh, it's probably not much of a surprise that joseph Callinger tried the insanity defense yeah 
But in both of his trials, one in Pennsylvania and one in New Jersey, the jurors deliberated for just a little over an hour before handing down a guilty verdict. Yeah. And this is understandable. During Callinger's trial, he was a little, shall we say, over the top with his actions. <laughs> mm. He started moving like a snake again. He'd moan and groan. He chirped like a bird. And he started doing that Christara chant. Look at me. Look at me. This is my time in the song. <laughs> it is funny because I think that does prove that he's crazy. I get why the jurors were like that's totally fake yeah but it is funny that he's like how do i act crazy and it's like you know what the one rule of improv be yourself be yourself yeah. honestly don't, you, you don't even gotta you don't even have to act i just want them to see <laughs> i want them to know how crazy i am you know you know client ca- calendar just you you are the crazy you are it dude you may not want to do that you can be crazy i promise you really yeah what do you think, Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> as far as the jurors were concerned, Callinger was full of shit. Now, honestly, Callinger probably should have been found not guilty by reason of insanity. This, of course, isn't so he can be treated and let back out into the streets. That's mm-hmm. one of the fallacies of not guilty by reason of insanity. No matter what, Joseph Callinger was never going to be a free man ever again. Just like Ed Gein was never going to fr- be a free man ever mm. again. But since Ed Gein was found not guilty by reason of insanity... He went to a hospital. Yeah, and at least he had doctors looking at him. He didn't have to be mixing with all these other, all of the worst criminals of the world. Well, right. it's not even about mixing Ed Gein with the worst criminals of the world or about mixing Joseph Callender with the most dangerous criminals in the world. It's exposing a dangerous, in, unstable individual like Joseph Callender to other humans. Yeah, right. He needed to be an ISO. Yeah, Ed Gein would not have been a danger to other people, but he's definitely like... We should keep, keep tabs on this Let's guy. Keep tabs yeah, on this guy. Absolutely. But, yeah. but you're putting Joseph Callinger in a gen pop uh, with a guy who might be in for tax a, evasion. Ta- yeah, like Whatever. a non-violent drug offense. Those, something like that. Those fuckers, I like to see them get a taste of it. It'd be nice for those like white collar <laughs> criminal guys to show up. They have a TV in their room, but all of a sudden next door they hear, "Hey, everybody, hey, hi, Tommy, um, you got a penis still?" <laughs> And pretty soon after receiving the mandatory life sentence, Joseph, uh, the violence began almost immediately. He started setting fires in prison. He assaulted another inmate. And eventually he was sent to a hospital for the criminally insane. But it was far too late for that. It was after he'd been in prison for years. Send him to Arkham. Yeah. Actually, let's let Joseph himself. Tell the story in this clip from an interview that Joseph Callinger did with Geraldo, of all people. Geraldo is is a man who is just, he is able to find the worst people on earth and just get the interview. But this this clip is the only clip I could find of Callinger talking or any kind of interview with him. And if you could just see his fucking face. He is... uh, out of his, I mean, he is medicated as heavily as a person can be medicated because you can hear the way he sm- his mouth is dry. And yeah. a lot of schizophrenic uh, schizophrenia medication like causes dry mouth, mm. uh, but his eyes are just barely open. Okay, and he's medicated to the top of his fucking head. These voices from God, these hallucinations. Do you still experience them? Yes, I do. Often. Often. Do you ever feel violent? Yes, I do. What do you feel like doing? Killing people. You still feel like killing people? Yes. Describe the feeling that you get when you feel like killing people. Well, last March 11th, I was hallucinating, and I took a razor blade, and I cut a man's throat. Here in the hospital? Here in the hospital. Do you think you'd murder me, Joe? Yes. 
That's gruesome, Joe. That's horrible. Yes, it is. And you don't blame me if I say I hope you never get out of this place. I hope I never do either. Well, Geraldo shouldn't have made it about him. That's actually about <laughs> yeah, him. That's you even okay. me? Okay. Geraldo? I really hate when interviewers are like, I'm also one of the stars. It's like, no, you have to be the interviewer. Yeah. But, okay, fascinating. So yeah. he, even heavily medicated, he was still like, I mean, you, there's no cure in this dude. No. He is, no. I, I mean, he, he was ugh. he was gone. I mean, way, way, way too far. Like, it's just, it, it just has to be you put this person in a box forever. Ugh. And that's the thing is that the violent streak just continued throughout his time at the hospital and he eventually landed in solitary in 1991 and that's where he died in 1996 wow. once again alone in a hole of his own making all right joseph callinger well guys that story was in in it was intense yeah uh yeah. but quite fascinating and of course not very well known um so uh yeah well thank you all so much for listening um if you do have any mental health issues, yes. please seek help. <laughs> yes. uh, all of us have experienced our own version of, of treatment, um, you know, whatever it might be, because, you know, this, uh, everyone was suffering in this story. Oh, yeah. And of course, yeah. the sympathy is very, you have to take responsibility for your actions, but my of God, get, no. get freaking help. No, that's he all. That's all that's a... what I always say about mental health, it is not your fault, but it is your responsibility. I'm bipolar myself, and I have been getting treatment for third. 14 years now. But it's nice to have you as a friend because it's like I have three friends. <laughs> Which one's he going to be today? No, you're, you're I am extremely stable. Fabulously unwell. <laughs> what Henry is going to be today? Oh, it's the mean Polish Henry yeah. today. <laughs> Hungry. Like Hungry. Uh, he uh, he could have used some help. He could have. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he could have used some help when he was a child. You know, he yep. could have used it from the time that he uh. was 15 and started laughing uncontrollably and writhing like a snake. That was the time to get help. Or when, you know, he. Uh, was uh, when he blacked out and ended up in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. Right. You're just talking about uh, any no, single time, any moment in his entire life, somebody could have helped him. Yeah. Somebody, somebody could have helped him. But you know, well, it was also a different it, time. You know, it was yeah. uh, it was the 50s and 60s. You know, when people just kind of put him in and put him out. And there was also not a lot of treatment available. But we're you know we're almost uh, in 2020. We're 2019 yeah. now. So there's a lot of options out there available for people who need, need help. So if you're experiencing these sorts of uh, delusions, these sorts of things, like Get help as soon as you can. And well, contact honestly, a real therapist. Don't just email side stories. No, 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 please um, do not. No, please say, do not just email. No, we are not <laughs> mental health professionals in any no. way, shape, or form. Like, this is the contact, only thing we know how to do. Contact actual mental health uh, professionals. Laughing. He was laughing and writhing as a kid. Of course, he did black out and end up in Hazleton, New Jersey. With any luck, he would have turned out to be Axl Rose. But it just did oh, not yeah, happen. Oh, yeah, the snake dance. Yeah. It did not happen. Um, Okay. You know what? We like the writing, but your voice is horrible for GNR. What's wrong with my voice? Well, it's just again, it's just a little bit too not perfect. It's absolutely amazing. My little pancake. Take me down to the paradise. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah, we're trying to get laid here, not scare all the women. So, um, all right. Well, thank you all so much for listening, and thanks for everyone who came out to our live shows. We're excited to see you in Pittsburgh tomorrow. Yeah, uh, Cincinnati was beautiful. Didn't get a chance to have the chili, but we'll be back there, and we'll have it then. I don't want, I'm going to just straight up say I don't want the no, chili. I don't I want it. I have no desire. I I know, but we have to have a bit of the culture. We <laughs> yeah. just couldn't get out of the show early enough. If no. someone showed up 
with the chili and said, have, have, have this chili. I would eat some of the chili, yes. I'm not going to refuse well, chili. Well, you get a demon curse put on you. <laughs> yes, yes. You get, Only you, it's not. If, if you, but never, ever show up to an event with a bowl of chili. If that's what you're, you're doing. Like, here, I've given you a gift <laughs> of, one of, the most, of one of the things that's most easy to have my my fecal matter in. No, I did it. I did, did take in some of the culture. I went out to Hail Dark Aesthetics in oh, Cincinnati. It's a great yeah, old record yes. and oddity uh, store. Hey, you do, yeah. We drank at the weird bar in Cincinnati called Old O'Malley's in the Alley, which yeah. I don't know if I can even recommend. <laughs> no, I'm not going to recommend it necessarily, but I will say we took an Uber and it was only two blocks a walk from our apartment or from our hotel. But when we stepped outside, it seemed very dangerous. I was very oh, high and once, ve- but I was very high and very paranoid. <laughs> yes, we did get we did do that, and then it got intense. Yeah. Um. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Do we have? We want to do a plug. I want to say this one thing about Jason Signs. Yeah, uh, he's a great comedian. He's a good friend of ours. He had a tragic accident. What was that January, mid January of last year? I actually, it was closer. It was like December. He is paralyzed from or, yeah, the December. That's right. It looks like he's paralyzed from the chest down. He is Ugh. in the middle of starting physical therapy, but it took months for him to even get to the, to be able to be well enough to start physical therapy. Yep. So he's in really dire straits. There's been a GoFundMe that's been started, and they raise one hundred and fifty thousand for him, which is not even fucking scraping the barrel, which is where we're <sighs> at now. Which is awful, but what we have the fact that by the way the fact that comedians have to be like let's put our health insurance caps on (laughs) and see if we can't raise some money is really difficult but we are having a very special series of events it is multiple shows in multiple cities on the same night monday april 1st april fool's day Mm -hmm. in los angeles it's at the region theater at 448 (laughs) south main street tickets are at signsbenefitla.com that's for the la show hosted by me ed larson and jackie zbrowski you got to come out. Honestly, this show's going to be fucking hilarious. It's going to be a great show. It's going to be a lot of fun honoring a great guy. NYC, I will be there with the one and only, the recently married, Holden McNeely. Um, and again, that'll be April 1st, April Fool's Day, Arlene's Grocery, which is 95 Stanton Street in the Lower East Side. So come hang out with us. It'll be for a good cause. And hopefully we can help out uh, Jason as much as we possibly can. Yeah, because, and it's uh, not like going to be, what I like about this show is that it's genuinely, it's got some, in LA. We have some of the best comedians in the world that are going to be there: oh, Shasir yeah. Zamata, Jermaine Fowler, Rory Scovel, Jeff Ross, uh, Adam Conover. If you like uh, his show, uh, Adam ruins everything. Jared Logan, who is a friend of our of the of the show, Kara Clank, Nick Vatterot. It, it's going to be a really it's, funny night. It's, yeah, it's actually, gonna... I, I will say that show has some of my favorite comedians ever. Like so, those, those, that is a fucking murderer's row right there. In New York, it's got fucking um, who I love, Sean Patton, who I've been seeing forever. Oh, oh yeah, Chris man, Gethard's going to be there. Uh, there's going to be a lot of great, great performers. Yeah. Danny St. Germain, Rami Youssef. Yeah, and uh, so. Jason Sines, I mean, he's part of the LPN family. Longtime listeners of the network will know that we used to do uh, Unlimited Lives back in the day. That's right. And Jason Sines uh, was a, a co-host of that show for a long time. Uh, so, yeah, come on out yep. and uh, support one of our own. Absolutely. Um, and if you're going through anything, we, we had a lot of people talking about the death of KB. Thank you so much for being so sweet and honoring him with T-shirts that say Bird Luger forever and those kinds of things and if you've lost a loved one you know it's really really hard and uh so anyway we're here for you yeah and uh, so again yeah thank you guys for your support honestly from everything thank you for your mental support thank you for giving to the patreon thank you for coming to the shows it means so goddamn much to us absolutely and do we can we say berlin out loud and we can say berlin and stockholm i mean they are on sale man awesome fucking come out i can't wait to go to fucking shit town berlin man i want to see some poo poo porn man 
<laughs> Wait. I want to see some live. You want to uh, see some poo poo porn in Berlin? If you're going to see it anywhere, it's like if you go to Costa Rica, get the coffee. Right? If you go to, you do what you want to do. You know what I mean? Great. Yes. Uh, yeah. And we have announced all of uh, the tour dates for the Back in the Habit World Tour. Back in the Back in the There's a lot of them. We have uh, May 17th, Kansas City. May 18th, Denver. May 19th, Salt Lake City. May 30th, Vancouver. May 31st, Seattle. Ooh. June 1st, Portland. Yep. January uh, July eighteenth, Oakland. July twentieth, San Diego. July twenty first, Los Angeles. September fourth, Dublin. September sixth, Bristol. The seventh, we got Edinburgh. The tenth, we got Manchester. The eleventh, it's Birmingham. The thirteenth, it's London. Uh, I think we're going to try to add another show to London. Yep. Uh, we're gonna, we're working on it right now. Uh, and then the sixteenth, it's uh, Stockholm. And then we're going to uh, end it all uh, with September eighteenth. In Berlin. Cannot yes. wait. Also, July 21st in LA. That's my birthday. Hey! And I'm celebrating this year so you can come and bring me happy birthday things. I don't know how to celebrate birthdays. You don't know. <laughs> you really don't know how to celebrate I a birthday. Don't know how it's to been taking you a while. Gifts. Yes, yeah. you feel free. I have never solicited, but feel free to say happy birthday to me. That's actually a big leap for you. That is, that is good. I talked to my friend Cena about it. I'm You've working broken on up it. with good. women over celebrating your birthday. I just don't <laughs> like to celebrate my birthday because yeah. I feel like, again, birthdays are for the dying, funerals are for the living. Um, but I have decided we don't have many left. Yeah. I don't know why I'm saying that. You I'm only have four left. <laughs> I, have four, I might have four left. So, um, All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Again. Magustalations. Hail me. If you will, please. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.